lover of all things lit, professional reviewer, recommender, book blogger. I am your host, Lloyd Russell, aka The Book Sage, and you're listening to Lit with Lloyd, courtesy of KCAT Radio. Hi, welcome to Lit with Lloyd. Uh, I am your host, Lloyd Russell. And today, our guest is award-winning novelist, Suzanne Woods Fisher. Uh, And uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for coming uh, all the way down here. My pleasure. Uh, It's it's great to see you again. Uh, It's been years since you came to our book club. Uh, But I'm going to ask you the most important question first. How many grandchildren do you have? Oh, that is important. (laughs) And, and by the way, this is a competition, just oh, so you know. it is? Yeah, so go ahead. Okay, 10. <gasps> You're kidding. Yeah. Oh, we have five. I kind of oh. thought I might have your number on no. that, but oh And I think, I think we haven't even seen the end. So my wow. youngest son just got married. Oh my gosh. Summer. How yeah. many kids do you have? I have four, two boys and two girls. Uh-huh. And they've all, they're all married now. And the baby, oh. once the babies start coming, they start coming fast and furious. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> fantastic. Well- I've got three kids. Uh, two, the older two have two each. The younger one has one. Mm-hmm. I think might maybe have another. So I think I'll probably max at six. So I just want you to know up front that I'm very jealous. Well, each one's so special. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. Yeah. All right, so maybe now we can actually talk okay. about uh, author stuff. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, so let's start with how many books you have written. And of those... Have they all been published or are there some that have not been published? I I actually should count it up, but I believe <laughs> I believe I hit 39. I think I'm a sub, just about to send my 40th manuscript into my editor wow. to be to be brutally <laughs> redone. And I and you asked are they all published? They are. Yeah, oh my I gosh. haven't had any maybe I've just been blessed with good author, good editors because they've been able to guide and direct and you know bring it bring the uh, the plane to a landing you know? <laughs> well i have to tell you you know between uh the book club and the podcast uh i have met many authors and and a, a, a quite a few of them have had to self-publish mm-hmm. or they have they were published and then took the rights back so this is not luck that you have all of your books published. Oh, you. I think it's fantastic. Thank you, Lloyd. Have you had more than one publisher? Well, I started with a small royalty press. I actually was a freelance magazine writer for years and years and then switched and tried to book. And I ended up with a small royalty press. And that's something I always encourage aspiring writers to open the door to a small press because it was so good to be a little fish in a little pond and just learn how to do this well, because half of the writing is not just the creative side. The other half is really the promotion side, the marketing. Uh-huh. It's, it is a business. Uh-huh. Yep. And finding your market and working hard to really put it out there and get it out there and cold calling and all the kinds of things you have to do when you're just learning. And I felt like, so I had a couple of books published with this small press. And from that, an that connected me to an agent and an agent then connected me to Ravel Books where I have been for the majority of wow. my books. And the wow. same editor, the same oh my gosh. great publishing house. So oh, that's that's fantastic. And not many people have that. It is most of my friends are constantly having to pitch to a new house, which is 
challenging and yeah. a whole new team that you're working with book by book. So I am feel very, very fortunate and uh, I don't take it for granted. And yeah. it could always be my last book. I was, I'm always well aware. <laughs> it seems highly unlikely that <laughs> that's going to be the case, but, uh, and, and obviously Ravel is not part of the big five. Ravel is owned by Baker Publishing Group, which is a family owned. Ah. And they own, they have an imprint of Ravel and Bethany House. And then they have a couple other academic imprints and, and all, but it's a, it's down, it's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's a very, very solid, oh, wow. admirable company. And and you've never had the thought about uh, having your agent take it to the big five? Well, I think I'm pretty happy where I am. You know, I think I, I feel really, really glad to be in the situation I'm in. And things aren't always what they seem in in the big five. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, I, I can understand that, yeah. at least theoretically, not having uh, been directly involved with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned having the same publisher. It's also so unusual that I've I've heard from authors about having the same editor. Yeah. Because editors, they come and go. Yeah. I mean, so that's amazing. I know, I know. Wow. And my editor has now moved up to being like queen of the company. She's like the executive vice president oh. of acquisitions. She's amazing. She's a remarkable person, and I have such a high regard for her, and Andrea Doring. So I am really thankful when she was promoted to this super high position, she kept yeah. just three authors, and I was uh, one of them, and I'm so thankful to still be with her. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about your books. Okay. What kind of genres do you write in? Well, I, I started with Ravel writing about with Amish fiction, contemporary Amish fiction, which spread into historical fiction as well, both Amish and Quaker, and then other historical fiction pieces. I write also, thanks to Andrea, she opened up a door for me to write contemporary women's fiction, which is what this is. So I've written a couple of series now uh. in, that's, that's just really meant for you know, enjoying kind of their beach reads in a way, their summer coastal series. So couple different genres. I haven't done suspense, haven't done mystery, haven't done horror. I know. Is romance, uh, is that part of, of your books in some form or some of them? They are. I think because I think romance is part of every, almost every single book. I mean, other than like To Kill a Mockingbird, but that at Gregory Peck. So, but you know, almost everything has a love story, has a relationship, even war stories. And so I'm not, I don't think I'm actually a great romance writer. I always feel like my mom is reading this and I always feel a little nervous. <laughs> but but as far as the relationship, like I love to build relationships. I love the character development. So that's kind of fun too. And I love happy endings. You know, we need more of those. Yeah. Well, speaking personally, uh, you know, through the book club, uh, we have read somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 to 40 different genres, including things like young adult, uh, you know, middle grade. I mean, not, Mm -hmm. and and of course, romance. Uh, We've we've done romantic comedies. uh, Mm -hmm. And of course, obviously we've done historical fiction and memoirs and things. But, But it seems that what matters is connecting to the characters. And that goes beyond genres. So I remember one of my favorite books is a young adult fantasy about two teenage girls. 
and and it, it goes back and forth each chapter and every mm -hmm. time a chapter ended i'd say oh no the chapter ended and then i would say the same thing for the next you know the next uh, protagonist so I, I think it's more about writing than it is about what genre it comes. I mean, if they if the author can make you emotionally connect with a character or two, then then I think she's really done her job. Well, you also just mentioned something that I think is a really skilled author that you're I'm not sure who you're talking about, but when finishing a chapter so that a reader is on their toes, not on their heels. Yep. So hard to do. And so it's it's really awesome because if you want to know what happens next, you're going to turn the page. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so true. Uh, what led you to um, uh, the Amish uh, characters? I mean, what 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 was it about that 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 interested you? My grandfather was raised plain, so he was one of eleven children back in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, near Gettysburg, raised on a farm. He was German Baptist, and just to give you a super fast, painless history lesson, <laughs> we're in the early 1500s, and it was Menno Simons and another group, group of men who came to the conclusion that adult baptism was critically important as opposed to infant baptism, which ah, okay. sort of seems small to us today, but at that time, it was civil anarchy, and they were chased across Whoa. Europe, and yet, interestingly enough, the this little group, they're called Anabaptists, Baptist again. They, despite the persecution, they grew and they grew and they grew and groups splintered off from the Mennonites, Menno-Simons. So the Mennonites were first. And then came the Hutterites, which are up in North Dakota and Montana They and Canada. They have um, the everything in common, but they are similar Anabaptists. Other groups, Apostolic, River Brethren, German Baptist, which was my grandfather, and then late to the game, we're almost to the 1700s, came the Amish. So they were the last on this tree of Anabaptists. Wow. And yet they're the ones that we know yeah, and, yeah. and are so distinctive today because the other groups have really um, blended in well, even though they many of them have kept very true to their, their origins. Um, but the Amish, it's a genre that was just, as I was starting to write, it was, it was a exploding. I think at the time there were maybe eight or nine authors writing Amish fiction. My editor knew this was an untapped area. My agent knew about my grandfather and she's the one who connected me to Andrea Doring who had this idea for a book called, she didn't know what to call it, but she had this idea about Amish peace. And with that, she and I had a conversation and I took off nonfiction book. I went back East. I connected with a lot of my relatives who are still where the garb that are in fact there's a large colony in Modesto of German <laughs> Baptists I knocked on doors I went to um, some of the colleges back there Elizabethtown College that has a lot of academics that study the Amish and the others and I just learned and learned and learned and that book became my foundation book wow. called Amish Peace Simple Wisdom for a Complicated World still in print. I think it's the book I want in my coffin. It's just sort of a, it was really like my breakout book for me and and became a foundation to then write credible fiction about the Amish as that door opened. I mentioned when I started, I think there were eight to 10 authors. My last count was 85 to 95 wow. authors. And some of the quality is fantastic and some is so poor. And it's, you know, so I think you, the readers are very loyal to the genre, even maybe more to the genre than the author. But I think it's interesting. It's just continues to stay. It has not 
dropped like a rock, like I think a lot of other authors hoped it would. You yeah. know, but. <laughs> well, do you know Shelley Adina? Do you know that yes, name? Yes, I do know that name, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's a good that's, that's where I was exposed to the, uh, to the Amish. Mm -hmm. uh, she's written uh, a whole series, mm -hmm. and she's, she's been here also on yeah. our podcast. She's uh, local. So did your mother or father then decide not to stick with the, with the plain Amish lifestyle like your grandfather had? Well, actually, it was my grandfather who chose to go. Oh, really? He was sort of an intellect, and, and they were known. Their family was the Benedicts, and they were, they were sort of known, I think, for having kind of an intellect. Farming just did not appeal to him. They, there was not a lot of land left. He went to Penn State and majored in um, agricultural economy, I think, and then went to, was the first um, radio station in Pittsburgh and did the farm reports. Mm. And then that that kind of led to a career at Saturday Evening Post. So he had a career very different from his plain upbringing, but very close to his brothers and sisters. There was not, it's only the Amish who shun. It's not, the other groups do not when someone chooses to leave. So very important distinction there. Yeah, but he was shunned when he left? No, only the Amish will make that decision. Oh, because your grandfather was not Amish. He was not. And okay, then, okay. And it's also when you are baptized. You you really don't, you might be born into an Amish family, but you don't become Amish until you are baptized uh, as an adult. And that's when you would be shunned if you choose to leave. Or it's really church discipline, not just not just leaving, but let's say you're having an affair or you're you know, having an addiction to a substance, that kind of thing. It's the same church discipline that they take seriously. Wow. Yeah, but, but your grandfather was close to his siblings? Very much, yeah. Yeah, we still are, are in close contact with them. I've taken my children over to gatherings when they've had, every five years they'll have what it's called a love feast, and, a, and it's like stepping back in another century. It's, wow. you know, a, a tent, and it's a cappella singing, and it's just sermons, and this, you know, beautiful, sincere faith being expressed. And, and and they accept oh yeah the people that are not members oh of the, yeah it's a very loving people wow yeah uh, are, are the Amish still typically in Pennsylvania Pennsylvania Indiana Ohio are the largest okay. areas Pennsylvania was first Lancaster County area but they have started to spread out all along the east really quite up to Maine Wisconsin. Um, they're they're not in California, but I believe they're in Colorado. Huh. So they're now we do have a lot of Mennonites in California. We have a lot of German Baptists, and you'll see them wearing the garb. But the Amish and their horse and buggies, they're more distinctive. Yeah, they're they're uh, really more generally more East, but they are growing. You know, I don't know if you knew this, but they're the fastest growing population in North America. Not the no largest, kidding. but the fastest growing. Whoa. The inside out. They are have huge families and a huge retention rate, like an eighty-five percent retention rate of young adults who choose to to, to stay to stay. Wow, that's that's I, I think that's really cool. Yeah, it is. It's in this day and age. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do you how do you incorporate the uh, the tenets of of the of your your ancestors? into your own personal life is there are, are, are there things that just automatically transfer from one like group DNA. of people to another yeah so here's a way to answer that my son and his wife 
my son's company is transferring him back east for a two to three year assignment and their home rented out quicker than expected and their home back east won't be ready for a while. So as of Wednesday of this last week, they moved in with us. And huh. it, and this has happened before. We've had other family. My niece and her husband lived with us for a little while. My daughter and her husband for you know periods of time in a transition. And there was a time when my parents, we rented a home across the street and they lived there. I think that intergenerational, that multi-generational sense of appreciation and making it work and um, grandparents involved in a day-to-day, I think that's one of the ways that I feel uh-huh. I've really kind of brought that into our lives. And we love it. We really love it. I'm not saying it isn't noisy and a lot going on, but <laughs> it's so meaningful to share their lives. Well, it, it's, it seems like it almost becomes cultural mm-hmm. rather than religious-based or not only religious-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I could see where where a lot of people might not necessarily still believe in the in you know in in the uh, in the principles of it, but 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 it's still a a it's a culture that they're always going to be connected to, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, good. Uh, when you said that you got your first couple of books published. Did you go direct? Because it sounded it sounds like you did not have your agent at that time, right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I pitched everywhere. Tons of rejections. Yep. Tons. Yep. So hard. It's such a hard thing. No one, not only is someone not looking for you at a publishing house, they're looking to figure out why you aren't up to their snuff. <laughs> and it, it is, it takes a really thick skin to keep going and going and trying. It also takes humility to see what does the market want? Uh Am I writing to the market? And that doesn't mean that you mentioned self-publishing. I feel as if there's a lot of books that are meant for a family to know, and they should be published. And there's other books that are going to have a small audience, and that doesn't mean they don't have value. But, you know, as far as I, I feel like if you're looking to really reach a wider audience, you have to know what are they reading? What do they want? What's popular? What is it? So how did you get the first publisher then? What Because it wasn't through an agent, right? Well, my very first, I think I was just fortunate. I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and trying to. And then I, I did get a couple offers from small royalty presses. And from then, I, I looked kind of carefully and really thought, do I want to do this? And I really want to get published. And so I chose what I felt was the best. And it was a good decision. And they're still in business. They're still doing well, which is oh, amazing. Wow. A recession and a pandemic. And I still get a monthly royalty check, which is really, really impressive. I'm wow. so proud of this editor. This is a company called Vinspire, V-I-N-S-P-I-R-E. Uh-huh. Oh, that's great. But when you finished, when, you, when you're on your third book, I guess, and you mm-hmm. were ready to, to, to take a look and see where you could, you could put it out there, how did that end up with an agent? I started when my first book won some awards. And uh, I think the awards opened the door. And again, easier in a smaller pond, more awards, more options. But I think I just was starting to have a little bit of momentum and a little bit of presence. And I think the agent, I was turned down by a lot of agents too, but one agent really liked my writing and she liked what I was doing. And that's how the door, I kind of call it like, when uh, readiness meets opportunity. Uh-huh, yeah, I was yeah. doing the, my homework yeah. and, and the time 
happened. So. Uh, okay, well, I want to I want to ask a couple more questions about that, but we're going to take a quick break, mm-hmm. uh, and then we will be right back. Thank you to the Los Gatos Community Foundation for their continued support of KCAT Public Media. Because of groups like the Los Gatos Community Foundation, KCAT has been able to inspire, educate, entertain, and inform our community through the magic of television and digital media for over 38 years. Thank you. Okay, and we're back. Uh, we are talking to Suzanne Woods Fisher, uh, and uh, she she's got just fascinating things to tell us. So let's get, let's get back to it. Okay, so you're you you're looking for an agent. Mm-hmm. You got a number of rejections, mm-hmm. and I know I've said this before on the podcast, but. Gene Owl was rejected 67 times for <laughs> Clan of the Cave Bear. Uh, and then you finally got an agent to say yes. Mm-hmm. And then the agent went out looking for publishers, obviously. Uh, did that just all happen sort of? Well, it's not a straight line. I, I think probably a lot of time elapsed. And and I think I made a couple of pitches that didn't to other publishing houses through this agent. But then she had this connection with this editor from Ravel and the editor was the one who had this idea for the book. So I think that was how the magic kind of happened for me was my agent felt like, well, I knew she knew that and my agent is Joyce Hart, by the way, H-A-R-T of Heartline Literary Agency. And she knew Andrea well enough to know that Andrea wanted someone to write about the older Amish who had a sincere connection, who had more than, I always say, I try to look past the bonnets and buggies and beards to just see what really makes them. <laughs> the three Bs, got Yeah, it. <laughs> the way they are. And so that was what I think probably piqued Andrea's interest and a phone call happened. And then that, that book happened, that Amish Peace book. Yeah. So were, were the first two books that with the other publisher, were those also Amish? No, no, no. They were um, World War II love stories. Ah, yeah. oh, wow. Well, that's <laughs> quite a change. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I would like to talk about the awards a little bit. Oh. I mean, I don't think we gloss over awards. I, and I, I don't care if it's a small press and a small press group. What kind of awards did you get? <laughs> you know, this was a long time ago. And I'm was, and I, I'm not sure I even remember. Um, since then, I have had other awards, which have been... And being a finalist, too, I think anyone who's a finalist needs to feel a real pat on the back. Yeah, tell us about it. Tell us what these these other awards are for and what you were nominated for. This is important. Well, it is, (laughs) but it's also... It also creates a sense of competition and inferiority and, uh. and superiority. And I think there's a balance between, I know a lot of incredibly commercially successful authors who choose not to submit. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Okay. I think they just feel like they've got, they've got a good market. They don't need, their books maybe wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily final and for them, it's enough there. And that that's fine. I can see that kind of stepping out of, because it does create a little bit of a sense of just where do you rank? And I've I, never thought of that. 
I mean, I, I, I can see it now for the first time. I think that's something that I really should keep in mind. Well, it distracts you from doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is writing good work. You yeah, know? yeah. So. The flip side, of course, is that this shows that you're writing good work. So yeah. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, that's no, and you <laughs> want to respect what they're about yeah. as well, and they're trying to honor authors. And Yeah, and, yeah, okay. All I, right. I just find, though, often there's... It's a little bit of there's an interest in what's new and shiny. So a lot of times the newest author gets a little more attention than some of the tried and true. And and then there's a, at times the tried and true are continually taking the yeah. first and they deserve it. But so it's not it's not like a okay. It's not like a blind reading, you know. Yeah. Okay. I am I am humbled by your explanation. I, it makes perfect sense to me. Uh, and I will not pay such strict attention to <laughs> awards moving forward. Well. <laughs> but I will say parenthetically, congratulations on the awards. Thank you. Okay. Uh, okay. Oh, in fact, here's something funny. Yes. They do not make a dent in sales. Really? Yes. <gasps> so if that helps. <laughs> wow. They don't. They really don't make a difference. So they, they, the author loves them. It's It's a great thing to be able to showcase on your website and everything but they really don't make a difference wow so, so i guess unless it's the oscars or the emmys yes. or the tonys or something right. it, it doesn't have that much impact that's crazy yeah i probably will get in trouble for saying that <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think you'll be safe <laughs> no, no no problem there okay uh so you have four kids mm -hmm. um i'm assuming that with 39 is that the 39th or the 40th you think i think it's a 39th <laughs> okay uh that you you obviously were writing while your kids were in some growing up stages how did you get time to write well i i almost didn't i actually was a i mean i i really prioritized my husband's a real corporate guy we were transferred quite a lot around the country ah. and then we were transferred to Hong Kong so we oh, lived there wow. for four years as the internet was starting ah. I was trying to keep up with some freelance writing for magazines that are no longer even in existence but um, that was a wonderful way to develop nonfiction writing skills <laughs> to interviewing skills on and on like that um, I'm sorry I feel like these are about to collapse fall on <laughs> <laughs> but and then when we so my kids were actually heading to college as i started okay writing a book and there's actually a funny story true story i decided to i had this idea for a world war ii love story i decided to keep it absolutely secret and i write in a laundry room to this day a tiny laundry room very wow. dinky and it's i so for three to four months i just really wrote and wrote and wrote i didn't tell my husband i didn't tell my sister i didn't tell my kids and at the end of the four months, at the dinner table that night, I had kind of what was, by this point, like a, a drafty uh -huh. first draft. You know, they're really yeah, yeah. drafty, but <laughs> but I had a book. And I told the family, I, I have written a book. And my youngest son looked at me and said, that's why there's no food in this house. <laughs> and he was right. There, there wasn't much. <laughs> that's great. I know, so sensitive. But I ended up, that was a book that I kind of, you know, pitched and pitched and pitched and yeah, and all. But um, but that's that's sort of how it started. I I love what the time of my life. I was probably in my late forties as this opened for me, and I am so thankful for it because it's a very consuming experience to be an author. 
And I worry sometimes when I see young parents trying to really, I've gone to award ceremonies where the mom, like a young woman will win an award, good for her. And then she'll say, and thank you so much, my mother-in-law for taking my children and for my husband for, you know, pizza deliveries. And I just think she's never going to get it back. She'll, she'll always have time for writing. She's never going to uh-huh. get the time back with these kids. And it goes so fast. And I would not want, I would never want to discourage young people, but I, it is hard to keep it in the right place. And so I am thankful it came later. Uh-huh. Now I say that, I remember going to my dentist one time for a, a just a dental checkup and I mentioned the book and he said, wow, at your age. (laughs) (laughs) I just think, oh, we'll talk again in 10 years, buddy. But, you know, there's so many years ahead for this and there's plenty of time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Now that you don't have kids in the house, Mm -hmm. do you have a writing schedule? I do. I'm up early. I hit a word count. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> yeah, I hit a word count every day. It's not always great, but it's advancing the plot. So I, I'm a very disciplined writer, I, and I, I usually write probably about four to five hours in the morning. And wow! Then, and then in the afternoon, I'll save for tasks that are like yeah. emails and things yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I mean, at some point, you obviously do have to live. Yeah, yeah, and play tennis. <laughs> oh, you play tennis. I play tennis. Yeah. Oh, that's Quite a lot. Great. Oh, wow. I played yeah. also for many years oh. until just a couple of years ago. And it stopped for no apparent reason oh. other than people I was playing with weren't yeah. weren't playing. You know, then the pandemic hit. So it's been a couple of years. But, uh, but my son and I actually uh, one summer spent a couple of times a week teaching our grandkids and, oh, and one of his kids and one of my daughter and two of my daughter's kids how to play. Great. So we'll probably do that some more, but uh, yeah, I definitely miss it. I know. Did you play? Did you play club or with with rankings and things? What was your ranking? Your high ranking? See how competitive you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be higher than mine. I'm sure. No, and men, men and women are different. But USTA four zero. Four zero. Yeah, that's great. I was yeah. a four zero. I was actually, I think, a, a, a very low four zero. I was three fives my standard, but yeah, I, I also played four zero. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's, great. It's good tennis. <laughs> yeah, it really is. You're running. <laughs> yeah, and you're still playing club and... Yeah, I'm I, a captain, in fact. Ah, yeah, it's fun. I, I, I put the lineup out just yesterday, and then it all falls apart. <laughs> like kneeling jello to a tree. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Really. All right, so we've got, how, um, we've got your schedule, but how long does it take you to write a book? It sounds like it. you take at least, get at least a few done a year. Yeah, I think it probably has a lot to do with the deadline. But um, <laughs> I'm right now I'm doing two books a year. So that's that's kind of I had been doing three, which is a lot. And two is a little easier. But I have noticed that no matter how much time I have, I will fill it. So it's not like I'm doing less. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, just yeah. takes longer. Yeah. So uh, but I'm enjoying it. I love it so much. It's just such a privilege to be able to write. Good. And, Tell us about the new one. Well, this is actually it's going to release or will has released May 3rd, and it's a, first in a series. Let's hold it up. Hold it up. Yep. I'd be uh, happy to do that. Cape Cod Creamery is the series. Okay. It's first a, in the series, you mm-hmm. said. Cool. It's a kickoff. It's a story about a mom and a daughter who end up both in need of a fresh start. The daughter has a 
has been, she's just weeks away from her wedding date. She's, this is her college sweetheart. This is the man she's been engaged to for many years. They finally have this perfect wedding. And he, the closer it gets, the more he feels he doesn't love her the way he thought he should. Uh. And so she's brokenhearted. The mom, who's probably in her late 50s, so we've got like a tw- late 20s and late 50s, uh-huh. young adult daughter. Um, she, The mom has a, another reason she needs a little fresh start. They end up, the ex-fiance says, you know something, you have always wanted a honeymoon on Cape Cod. It's prepaid, go, take whomever you want. And so this daughter takes her mom. And so they're staying at this beautiful hotel in Cape Cod, in Chatham, which is on the elbow of Cape Cod, one of America's prettiest little towns. And they're staying at the Chatham Bar's Inn, which is true, and it's gorgeous. <laughs> it was an old hunting lodge, and it's just absolutely beautiful. And the young daughter is now just kind of nursing her wounds on the beach while the mom is just roaming the town, having fun, and notices this ice cream shop with, that looks so run down and beat up, and there's a big for sale sign out front. Ah. She's a bit impulsive. The daughter is a very CPA trained, you know, by the books. She adores spontaneity as long as it's carefully planned kind of a person. And the mom is sort of like the hippie, total opposites, impulsive, probably ADD. She puts a low ball offer in on this ice cream shop and gets it. So suddenly the two of them are in the ice cream business. And you can imagine how sparks will fly them, you know, moms and daughters and, and <laughs> on and on. So that's the premise of the book. Oh, it sounds wonderful. Uh, what will succeeding books, uh, will they be different characters? Well, I just am finishing, in fact, the book two. Okay. I'm just about to send that in. And it's, <laughs> it's the same premise. It's now kind of picking up where they left off. And there's some new characters that have come okay. into the story. Because when you do finish this a story arc, it's nice to let it go. <laughs> not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not beat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite series are the ones that that have a different character. Coming in. Yeah, or yeah. different characters the next book, but still keeping the original characters, you know, uh, in, in print. <laughs> yeah, it's a small town with a big heart kind of a book. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that sounds great. I can't wait to read it. Thank you. Yeah. Because I will be getting it... Uh, near the top of the TBR list. (laughs) And speaking of TBR lists, are there authors that you like to read? Oh, I read all the time. (laughs) It might surprise you that I I generally read a lot of nonfiction. Uh I don't know why, but that's just love memoirs, love um, books like by Atul Gawande or You Love Him. I was just going to talk about that. Being mortal. I know. In fact... When I when I wrote because I have a blog and when I wrote a review of that, I think it took me two posts. I mean, it, it's it's an amazing book. It stays with you. Uh, and do you know about the movie? No, I didn't know there's going to be a movie. There is a there a, a movie, and the only reason I know that is that it's, it's in the process of being made. It was just put on hold because one of the actors is being accused of inappropriate uh-huh. behavior. And a very, very well-known actor. Oh. Uh, so it's on hold. I was so happy to see that it was going to be an actual movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, that is an amazing book. I know. I know. Uh, very thoughtful, I think, for any age to just look at what makes your life worth living. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and 
for some of us who are getting a bit older, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a whole different mm-hmm. look at at being a senior, mm-hmm. you know, and and how uh, how we get uh, what we can do for ourselves and how we can help others. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a great book. Uh, okay, who else do you read from from nonfiction? Well, I'll read. Um, let's see, like Philip Yancey. I'll read Tim Keller. I will read. Um, sometimes biographies of different individuals. Um, it's hard to just pull up. Of course, <laughs> of course, I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but I, I just enjoy learning about why people are the way they are, what's made them the kind of people they are. So. Interesting. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, how about authors that may have influenced you uh, in your life as an author? Well, I think as a teenager, for example, I read... A lot by Madeline Lingle, uh-huh. Catherine Marshall, her nonfiction, and I still love her books, her nonfiction. I, Christie's a wonderful book, but I love her nonfiction work. And then um, actually uh, Anne Lindbergh, Anne Mara Lindbergh. And those three authors really gave me this sense of writing well, oh, of what, wow. it, what it felt like to just write and and just craft sentences and all. So. I just think they're incredible. Their books are such classics still. Well, it's, it's, we all have, you know, people that have motivated us to do whatever it is that we're doing, you know, that have given us some background and some, some inspiration. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's, I think it's great. It's always great to hear uh, who, who you authors, you know, yeah. look, kind of look to uh, for your careers. Well, um, we're going to move on to trivia now. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, there's there's only one that I'm going to ask you because uh, I, I think it's kind of interesting. Did you know that you are an authoress? <laughs> the feminine version of an author? Origin- yeah, that is the... I've never seen oh. that, that word before. Sort but of quaint. <laughs> it, but it is actually a word that is a female author. Yeah. Uh, but the trivia part of it is that the first known book written by a woman in English uh, was uh, something called The Revelations of Divine Love. Yes, 1300. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the 13th and 14th centuries. You know this yes. already. Yeah. And Teresa. it Sorry. was Julian. Julian Norwich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, I'm not getting any trivia by you. Oh, no. I just <laughs> no, this is great. Yeah. No, this is great. I say that respectfully. <laughs> uh, so the, I guess the best part of it is that it wasn't published till 1670, mm-hmm. but the manuscripts were kept alive. Yeah, and if you think about it, all those things most of the time probably disappear. Yeah. You know, so this was actually, and yeah, so it's still around. Okay, another sort of ancient history trivia note is the first fiction novel. I guess that's redundant, isn't it? (laughs) The first novel published in English was actually Robinson Crusoe by Daniel Defoe in 1719. Uh, Who knew? Yeah. Uh, And this one I think is kind of cool. The best-selling hardcover children's book of all time and softcover children's book of all time. Do, do anything, do, do either of those spring to mind? Anything at all? Because I, I had no idea. I keep thinking of Christopher Robin. Uh-huh. 
the the hardcover is the pokey little puppy. Oh, <laughs> oh, really? Like a children's book? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Children's, a... yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't uh, no, specify. Okay. Um, and the soft cover is actually Charlotte's Web. Oh, which was a, a, a great book and mm-hmm. also a great movie. So that's uh, that's our trivia for the day. Yeah. So all day long, I'm going to get. Charlotte's some of those songs stuck in my head now. <laughs> they, they have a way of sticking with you. Double E, double O. It is one of those kinds, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Okay, well, that'll do it for us. Um, I want to thank Suzanne Woods Fisher again for coming down from out of the area a little bit. Um, and I also want to pay a special, give a special thanks to KCAT uh, because uh, they're what, make our programs, mine and others like uh, mine, uh, the, a chance to get to you, uh, you listeners and viewers. So thanks a lot to KCAT. And uh, now we're out. You just heard Lit with Lloyd here on KCAT Radio. Explore all our KCAT original programming at kcat.org radio.